right. Uh, how many people in here have ever watched the movie The Sound of Music? Cool. 1965 it came out. I watched it at the theater. Okay? And I haven't watched the whole movie since then. I watched bits and pieces until the other night. And Becky and I watched it together. So we're going to sing the song. <laughs> you know the song about the dog bites, the bee stings? When the dog bites, when the bee stings. I don't... And sad. So bad. So what you got to do is manifestation, visitations... All the other stuff we were saying, those are a few of my favorite things. Amen? So when I'm feeling bit, <laughs> I start thinking about that. And that's what you've got to set your mind. The Bible says set your mind on things above. Amen? That's a great movie, by the way. If you've never seen it, I thought it was pretty phenomenal. It's really remarkable. It's worthwhile to watch. Not just for that song, but just the whole deal. The sound of music, baby. Amen. Come on. Well, everybody's going somewhere, correct? Yeah. Right? You're not the same place today that you were a year ago. None of us are. And some of us got here to where we're at right now on purpose, believe it or not. Some people got here by happenstance, circumstance, right? And I, but but uh, what I want to talk to you about today is we're going somewhere, okay? We're going somewhere. I, you know... When I look at my life, here's what I, the kind of person I am. I've always been like this. If I believe in my heart I'm supposed to do something, I'll go do it. I'll do it until I have, you know, I keep going after it until, until it happens. And that was even before I was a believer. But, you know, faith, that's how faith works. You believe something. That's, you believe it and you act on it. And you act on it. And, act. and I believe God has things for us. And I want to I wanna act on those things. Okay. I want to read this scripture to you, and I'm going to just talk to you a little bit. This is going to be a couple of scriptures, then it's going to be like a leadership class. Everybody, y'all been in a leadership class before, leadership 101? Okay, well, we're going to do that this morning, because this is, this is good. Uh, Psalm 85, or Psalm 84, 5 through 7. How blessed is the man whose strength in you, is in you, and whose heart are the highways to Zion. See right there, it tells you everybody's got a highway in them. Some people's highways are not leading to Zion. You know what Zion is. It's God's holy habitation. It's the heavenly realm. And uh, so everybody's going somewhere. That's where I'm headed, right? That's where you're headed. We're all headed there, uh, you know, when we die, if you're saved. If you're not saved, you might want to get saved this morning so you can make sure you get there. Uh, but you know what? I'm going there now. Amen? That's where I'm going now. I'm going into the heavenly realm now. In fact, I'm already in the heavenly realm, I'm, but I'm going to live it out in my experience. Uh, so that's, that's where the highway leads us. That's our highway in this church, believe it or not. That's what we're going for, or at least it's what I'm going through. And since I'm the pastor, I get to at least try to get you to come along. You get to choose. Uh, then it says in verse 6, passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. Of course, that's the valley of sorrow. We've been there, right? We've been through, we've been through the sorrow. And uh, we, But we made it a spring. That means you found God there. You either find God in your lowest place or you don't. If you don't find Him there, it's not going to be good. But he's, He is to be found everywhere. In fact, I love, love, love. I think about that love, that, that thing that Mother Teresa, not Mother Teresa, but uh, uh, Corey Ten Boone said, there's no pit so deep that God's not still deeper. 
And uh, nobody wants to, I loved that thing for years until I found out about the reality of the pit. Then I didn't love it as much, but then once I went through it, I loved it. Because he's in, he's in every pit. I'm telling you, he is. Uh, and that's how you make it a spring. And it says the early rain also covers it with blessing. You know, that's the beginning of revival. Okay, when you go down, there's a place you can come into real revival, real pouring out of God's Spirit. Uh, then it says they go from strength to strength. That's from the Lord. Every one of them appears before the Lord in, in Zion. So that's just really awesome. Uh, Psalm 84, verse 5 in the New King James. Can, can we put that up? He's already put that up. This is a little bit different. I, this, this is one I've been more familiar with. Blesses the man who strengthens you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. In other words, his heart is set somewhere. You've got to have this thing where your heart's, you're going somewhere. You're not, when you get up to go somewhere, you just don't randomly go. You have a, 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 a pl- you know, like if you don't know, you get your, your thing that you get on your phone. GPS, yeah, I got that on my phone. I can put an address in there. I mean, on my phone, man. I only had to buy one on my phone, and I can go somewhere. And my heart would be going down that direction. And that's really God spiritually. That's what we've got to do. We've got to get that that spiritual GPS uh, going in our in our lives. Well, uh, can you put my picture up there? Some of you will remember this picture here. I shared this. I don't know if you remember. It doesn't matter if you remember. I've concluded. I don't care if you. I remember it. Uh, this is. We talked about our church and where we were going as a church, and I've the. And we talked about the path, how God used highways in the natural to sort of show us. And the only uh, thing I could think of, I felt like it was the Lord that gave me that, that we have a scenic highway in front of us. Okay, well, we are, I'm just here to declare I'm on that scenic highway. Okay, we're going. We're, we're, we're going to move on. We're going to move on from where we were at. Um, you know what? This is the truth. Okay, this is really the truth. We are in a day of multiplication. But we're still living in the day of addition, okay, in our hearts. We're still struggling. You know, multiplication, in the natural, multiplication doesn't do away with addition. It's just a higher form of math, right? You don't never leave addition, but we do need to move into multiplication. And God's really interested in us getting a multiplying mindset. He wants to multiply. In the first service, the word came forth that God is interested in salvations this year. He wants to multiply his kingdom, broaden his kingdom. And I believe we've got to get that heart. Well, you know, I shared that sign, and then I purposely had spoke to this church since that time about two topics. Do you all know what the two topics are? Anybody know? Uh-uh, you ain't no fair. Anybody else? Heart. Oh, that's a good and. Mind. See, I tell, if you go back, every message I preached in this church, whether you remembered it or not or even liked it or not, was about the heart and or the mind. And the reason I did is this one verse right here, First Peter 1.13, Therefore prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. First Peter 1.13, God is wanting us to prepare our minds. Actually, that word mind there means your dianoia, which means the visual part of us, the part of us that sees our minds, our imagination, our, the revelatory realm. God wants us to be prepared in that, that arena. That's pretty cool, isn't it? You didn't think that. Yeah. Yeah. There's some really good verses on that in the Bible. I've never really... Uh, sometimes I like to go through that whole thing on, the, on, your, on that part of you. There's so many verses in the Bible on that, and the New Testament's good. Anyway, so... 
that's the intention, is to get our, our minds ready. Now, let me read uh, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. I'm not trying to preach to you this morning. I'm just trying to talk to you. Although I did shift into a preaching mode. That was shameful almost. I was yelling in the first. I felt bad for those people. He's up here yelling, man. What is wrong with this? What is Luke on this person? Some things just come out of you, and you don't plan on them coming out that way. Because I don't really like yelling preachers, actually. I never want to be in preaching. Somebody's going to yell at. I had a. I told you about the woman sent me an email. Said I love this church and everything, but dang on, when you started yelling, I don't like to go to church and get yelled at. I agreed with her. I said I totally agree with you, 100. percent I don't either, and I'm sorry I did that. But and I didn't do it on purpose. It just came out that way. Anyways, Proverbs 29:18, where there's no vision, the people are unrestrained. Where there's no vision, the people go around in circles. The people have no focus. They have no, no sense of destiny in their life. That's, that's really what that uh, unrestrained means. The word vision literally means prophetic revelation, where people have no prophetic revelation. So what I want to talk to you about, see, prophetic revelation, Paul prayed that. Think about this, Ephesians 1.17. I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be up. I pray that you'd have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He prayed that on a church that was part of the greatest revival in the New Testament. The greatest revival in the New Testament is not in Acts chapter 2. It's in Acts chapter 19. That's you, I think it's Acts 19. Let me do that quick, because I would like for you to look at that sometimes and look at this mighty, mighty revival uh, that happened in the Bible in the New Testament. Yes, it's, it's Acts 19. Read Acts, Acts 19. That's the account of the greatest revival in the New Testament. Uh, and, you know, one of the things it says, it says the Word of God was heard all over Asia. Man, that's a pretty big revival. Okay, so, but here's Paul. For these people who, who lived through this revival, saw this revival, experienced it, he's saying, you need prophetic revelation. You need this, you need this, you need this. And I'm praying that God will release this to you. Because if you don't, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've experienced, if you don't have this thing... Gonna, your life's going to be unrestrained. In other words, you will not have this thing called destiny because it's a sense of destiny because a sense of destiny is the thing that will restrain your life. It's the thing that will give your life purpose and meaning and focus. So are we good now? You know what I... So what I'm, I'm not talking about prophetic resonance. I'm talking about the destiny that it releases into your life because God has a calling in, of, for destiny and purpose on every person in this room that, that we are here not by accident, but by, by purpose and design of God. Okay? Uh, so, we're, this is not goals. Uh, if you know me, I'm a very goal-oriented person. But goals are meaningless apart from true revelatory insight from God. You just get something done, and then you have to have another goal and get something else done. So, but goals are good. I'm not against goals. I'm just saying this is not about goals. This is about you walking around in your life with a sense of destiny on your life. Amen? So now I'm going to shift into Leadership 101 to you. Okay? I'm just moving here, and I'm going to give you some points, uh, not all points, but some things that I know about destiny that I want to share with you that I believe can speak to your heart this morning and, and, and light a fire in you for destiny. Number one, and I'm going to give you the definition of what I call a sense of destiny. A sense of destiny is an inner conviction arising from an experience or a series of experiences in which there is a growing sense of awareness that God has his hand on you or your church in a special way for a special purpose. Did y'all get that? Ah, good for you. 
I love that. Let me do it one more time. A sense of destiny is an inner conviction arising, an inner conviction arising from an experience or a series of experiences in which there is a growing sense of awareness within you that God has His hand on you or your church for a special purpose. You got that? It's a growing thing. It's a feeling. It's a sense that you have that God has His hand on your life for something. And this is really key that we have that in our life. Because I'm going to tell you, I have seen people, let me just say this, I have seen people who walked in it and then stopped walking in it. And they became two different people. And the second, and the person they became was not a good person. They literally went back to their old carnal self. And then I've seen those same people find their destiny again. And I've seen the, the work of God emerge in their life again. And the life of God come through them again. Suddenly they, have a, they had a purpose and a meaning of life. Are you with me? So Joseph, in the Old Testament, he's a great example. He had these dreams. Think about it. Dreams gave this man a sense of destiny. A dream. Well, Paul had a more profound thing that happened to him. He got body slammed. Well, I like to say this. God took his foot out of heaven and just popped old Paul in the chest and knocked him down. <laughs> Don't you love how good uh, the Holy Spirit is such a wonderful gentleman that he would just put his foot into your chest Put you on the ground, and then you get up, and you can't even see. You think, that's a gentleman? That's a, that's a hard hit. He didn't ever forget it. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, he was talking about that at the end of his life, man. I would be, too. But that's how he gained his sense of destiny. Uh, so you got those two extremes, just a dream and then, then an experience from heaven that was very powerful. All right, the second thing I want to, to share, and this is what I've seen in people, is this, when we lose our sense of destiny... It will not be long before we lose our dignity. Now, this is important. You know what dignity is? Here's good old Webster Dictionary. Dignity. The state or quality of being worthy of honor or respect. The state or quality of being worthy of honor or respect. When people begin to walk away from that sense of destiny, I've watched it. I've watched people. I've watched their respect. People quit respecting them. People quit giving them the honor. Because no longer are they walking and what God created them to be. They're walking in something else. They're being something else. That's why. When you, when you lose that thing, you lose the respect of people. You lose on. It's not that people purposely do it. It just happens. Okay? Dignity is a very important thing. Everybody deserves dignity. But we'll lose our dignity in, in, in our lives if we're not walking in our destiny. Uh, one of the things I really feel, you know, basically is, I wanted to say this this morning, right? Say it now before I forget it. Is I believe there's people in this room right now this morning who've lost their sense of destiny. Okay? And God wants to restore it to you. Okay? And I also believe there's people in this room who've never felt this sense of destiny in their life. Never. And God was wanting to say, He wants to provoke that in you and bring that forth in you today. So we're going to pray at the end about that. I just wanted to get that. Out. All right, number three, a sense of destiny is foundational to us preserving and finishing well in this life. It's foundational for us preserving and finishing well in this life. Here's what Paul says, 2 Timothy 4, 7. I finish my course. That's a, that my is a big word, but anyways. I fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. And he did it because he lived, he lived a life of destiny. He walked in his destiny. That's why he was able to do it. Has anybody in, ever, in this room remember the movie Saving Private Ryan? 
Y'all remember that movie? The, the part, the beginning, I love that movie. I mean, it was pretty rough, but I love the movie. You know, I mean, you know, what the guy don't like army movies. You know, I mean, come on, let's just get real. I thought it was pretty cool. I was thinking about when that sniper was up there and had his thing, and all of a sudden he realized there was another sniper on the ground looking at him, and next thing he knows, he was shot through his glasses. That was pretty intense. <laughs> Anyways, back, you know, forget that army stuff. But the first of the movie, the Private Ryan, this was based on a true story. Private Ryan was an older man, an old man from World War II. He'd be old, okay? And he had went back to Normandy, the whole area where he was at, and was tore up. He was desperately, man, he was desperately tore up because people died to, you know, he died to get him out of there because it was a brother, you know, something about brothers and the army had a rule. Yeah, one of four brothers. So the army didn't want the mama to lose all her four of her sons to war. So all these guys died for him. And he, at the end of his life, he was, and one of the guys said to him, just go live it. Go live your life. And it's like he was putting this commission on him. And this guy was tore up. Did I do it? These guys paid the ultimate price for him. He was tore up. Did I, did I live it? Did I really live it? That's a powerful scene. That's a gripping scene. You know, and we had to see that God has done something for us. I mean, He died for us. He has invested massive in us. He's invested something in us that's, that's awesome. And He wants us to see that. He wants us to have that sense like that. I really believe what that man had was right. Okay, I know some people were disturbed by that. But I believe it was right. It wasn't like a thing put on this man. It was a, it, it was a thing given to him from heaven. And God has done the same thing to us. He has given us something. He has given us a chance to live our lives, to live up to this destiny that He has, has given us. And He is the one who died for us. Some of us in this room, there's been other people who've literally died for us. In fact, many for this church. We've got something that's, that is impossible in one way to live up to, but in another way there's been a grace released to live for something greater. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? It's powerful, I'm telling you. That's what destiny does. All right, destiny is something to be obeyed also. Here's what Paul said in Acts 26, 19. He was speaking before King Agrippa. He was a pretty bad guy, really, but he was still a king. Uh, he said, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision. In other words, this vision that imparted this destiny, I lived it, I obeyed it, I walked it out. Okay, and that's really what we had to take. We had to take this sense of destiny that we get from God. We had to realize this is something we have to obey. We have to live this. This is God's will for our life. Okay, and we had to look at it as something to be obeyed. Amen? All right, destiny answers a lot of questions in your life. Okay, it defines your values, how, much you spend, how you spend your time, how you spend your money, what you put your hand to who you hang around with. It literally gives meaning to your life. That's what it does. It gives a meaning to your life. That's why some of you have no meaning because they're not really connecting with their destiny. And I know in my own personal life, when I've drifted from my destiny, I could always tell based on how I was spending my time. I'm not even talking about sinful things. I'm just talking about things that don't take me to my destiny, that take me away from my destiny. And I'll tell you what, I have spent a lot of money on stuff that, I'm talking about for my destiny. I have, inv I have invested in my destiny, as many of you have. Some of you have given it all. And that's exactly... Because when you are facing the tombstone, you will know. I did, I did, I did. 
You know, a lot of old people that I've been around who, who sincerely love the Lord, when they're at the end, they have that question about their life. I mean, sincerely. Not ones who have lived, you know, halfway Christian. Halfway, I'm talking about people who've really given it all still have that question about their life. It's that thing. And, and those are the people you like, that, that person has lived their destiny. Because that's an issue for them. They want to know. They're trying to find, Lord, did I really live this life that you called me to live? Did I really do it? I think all people have to face that. Okay? I think we all will if, if, if the Lord tarries. One of the things that you'll find in Paul's letters, every letter, this is funny. You go back and read the introduction to all the letters that Paul wrote. To everybody he says this, uh, grace and peace to you. Okay? Then to the leaders he says, grace and peace and mercy because he knows y'all boys need some mercy <laughs> if you're going to be a leader you better have some mercy operate on you need grace you need people but y'all say you need mercy <laughs> so let's give some mercy to the leaders okay uh, but he also does this one other thing he talks about his apostleship his calling who he is he talks about his destiny it was the driving force in his life that feeling it drove him it motivated him it's, it's a wonderful thing uh, number six, a full-blown, this is the one that you need to hear if you don't hear anything else in here because you'll just go nuts like I did for years. A full-blown destiny does not emerge all at once. That's the sad story on this. Joseph had the dreams, but he didn't know there was a preparation between him and that fulfillment. That hurts. And you know what? A lot of people fail in the preparation stage. They don't make it through the preparations. They just get discouraged in the preparation because it delays, it delays, it delays. And that's what Habakkuk, when it talks about vision, it talks about wait on it. It's going to delay. It tells you up front. The Bible tells us this thing ain't going to come the way you want. In fact, it's going to wait. It's going to be a long time for you. So that's one, you know, but preparation is one part, okay? There's another part to it, okay? And that's the next point. I may just move on there to three parts to destiny. I wrote them down for me points. Destiny includes preparation. It also includes, these are a few of my favorite things, the revelation part. Okay? There's revelatory experiences that God will begin to bring into your life. Okay? Not only why he's praying. And lots of times, see, here's the thing. Lots of times, these revelatory experiences are not uh, all inspiring. Right? Lots of times, they, they're good, but they're, you know, they don't, they're not so inspiring. But, and so you miss, you miss something. You miss it for a while. You miss it. These things are key points for you that God is trying to reveal, you know, because everybody doesn't get the bright light from heaven. Right? But I'll be honest with you. I'm going for the bright light. I'm telling you. I think we can go for it. It's in the Bible, right? The bright light's in there. That means we can go for it. That's the way I look at it. If it's in the Bible, it's legal. And it's within my reach. So I'm saying, hey, you know, Paul got to go visit heaven. Why can't I? Okay, I'm serious now. That's the attitude we need to take. If we just take the thing, oh, that was just special Paul, then we're just specially going to miss that. But if we take the thing, is this in the Bible? It's legal. There's nothing wrong with asking God for that. I want to go up into the third heaven and not from dying here, but just the Lord come, take me, let's go visit, have fun in heaven for a while, then you come back. Wouldn't that be great, man? Woo. That could happen, you know. All right, sometimes the experiences are all inspiring, all inspiring, like Moses at the burning bush, Paul, uh, um, and there's no doubt that something special happened, but then sometimes they're not. It's not real clear to you, okay? 
That's, that's the way a lot of it is. I can take you through, if I had time, I could tell you. There's about a dozen of destiny points in Paul's life that I've identified. There's probably more. I just did it on my own study of his life just trying to try to understand destiny, destiny. And there's lots of things that don't seem so profound in his life while they were happening. But looking back through the lens of time, you realize, oh, that was a key point in his life. That was a key thing. That was a destiny moment for Paul. There's many things like that with him that was happening where God brought him into things. And, and so that's the, the revelatory part. And then there's the fulfillment part, which we're looking for, Right? How many people are looking for that fulfillment part? I'm telling you, I am. That's where I'm at in my spiritual life right now. You know, I feel like God's done a lot of preparation. Not that he don't. Somebody might say he might need to go do that again. You know? <laughs> Have you ever heard that old joke, the meat was cured, about the meat being cured, and somebody said, well, that meat had a relapse. <laughs> it needs to be cured. Y'all, y'all don't get They used to cure meat. That's how they did it. We cured that meat. The Lord cured it. He had a relapse, Lord. <laughs> he needs to be cured again. Y'all don't get that. Anyway. Well, anyways, I've... I'm saying there's people in this room who you've gone through the preparation. You've got revelation. Your time of fulfillment is, is at hand. I believe that because we only got so much time. You, and, and I'm going to tell you another thing. Age is not a factor. You, I don't, Smith Wilkesworth started his ministry in, his, I think, his late 40s. Okay? A very profound ministry. And I don't care how old you are this morning. God is not as a respect. He's, he's, you can start. You know, you, you can become into your fulfillment time. So don't, don't give up. Another thing that will really help you, okay, I wanted to say this to you. Another thing that really, really, really has helped me, I'm telling you, I have been mightily helped in this area of destiny in the last three years of my life. Mightily helped. Now, I could tell you a lot of stuff that I've had to get counsel about from my wife. You know, she tries to talk me through stuff. Is when the, the Holy Spirit River has helped me. Because the Holy Spirit River is alive with destiny. It, 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 it is, it's, you know, it's talking about the river of God teeming with life. That's one of the things that it, it really teems. And it really has, has promoted me because I'll be honest with you, I've always believed some level of destiny, but I don't just believe it on a small level no more. Because it, it's, a, it's a, like a force in me now. It's something that motivates me. I feel like it's like a machine, an energy in me or, a machi- or, or something in me that's running inside of me that's causing me to feel these things and causing me to sense these things, causing me to want to pursue and go after. It's feeling of destiny. I feel like, this is, I feel like honestly, I'm going to say it, I feel like I have a destiny on my life that's yet to be fulfilled. And it drives me. That's why I'm, I said I'm willing to do something if I believe, if I have faith to do it, I'll do it. I don't care what it is. I'm willing to go out there on, and risk for it, because of it, but it's the destiny thing that makes me feel that way. Okay? And if you have this thing of destiny, you can, go, you can reach for what God has for you. When Paul was first, you know, had that experience, the Lord said, you're going to be speaking to, to, the, to the Gentiles, to the kings, and the children of Israel. And it, every bit of his destiny happened. Every bit of it. He, he stood before kings, even though it happened not the way we would like. We'd like to go, like, hey, come have dinner. <laughs> Don't come arrested, you know, causing trouble like he came in. But it's very powerful. So I want to really encourage you. You know, encourage you about the spiritual world because when you begin to touch the spiritual world, it that is destiny. That's you know, and that's what it does to you. It makes you realize I'm living for something greater than here. It really does make you feel that way. That's why it's important for Christians to touch the spiritual world, to see the spiritual world, to experience the spiritual world, because it makes us realize this world is is not what we're living for.
We're living for a greater world. And those are ways, some of the ways that God will motivate you and encourage you. At least that's how he's done it with me. And that's because I can't tell you how he's done it with everybody. I'm just going with what he's done with me, which I think is real biblical. You know, it didn't happen to Paul like that, so I'm on good ground, right? Come on. That's what Peter said. Peter said, he, he said in, when he was talking about, think about one, the one thing he brought out in his epistles about the Lord. When I was on that mountain and heard that voice from heaven. Something happened to that man. Now, he went through some stuff still. That was a revelatory experience that when he was an old man, he was pointing back to being on the mountain. And he heard, he heard something. He saw something. He saw Moses and Elijah. He saw the Lord being glorified in front of him. And we say, how could he just do all he did? Well, he just did. He was pretty carnal. He's a sense of death. All right, are y'all good? I'm happy about this. Are you? I'm like, yeah. This is leadership 101. We learn how to be leaders, Lord. Help us. We need mercy, Lord. Well, let me tell you something. The last thing I wanted to talk to you about is favor comes with destiny. Okay? If you study Paul's life, Paul had certain favor that was attached not to Paul as being a son of God, but to Paul's destiny. Okay? Now, I know it's weird, and it's a stretch, but when he was arrested in Jerusalem, okay, he was actually imprisoned in a palace. Not in a dungeon, but in a palace. And his friends were actually allowed to come and be with him and minister to him. When he got on a ship headed to Rome, the, the, the guy who was in charge let him go, lead the ship with a guard, with a, a Roman a centurion, and go to his friends and let his friends, the Bible says, let his friends take care of him, take care, minister to his needs. That's pretty much, that's favor for a prisoner, right? Come on. Okay? Because it won't time for him to get beat to death and not be able to stand up and, and communicate. And another little thing is, isn't it interesting, Paul the Apostle, I just want to say this to you. We're always going to have needs in our life. And we're going to always have needs of each other. If Paul the Apostle needed his friends to help him, you think we're not? I mean, he was the most spiritual man in the planet. And he had needs. So don't get this illusion that spiritual people don't have needs. If they're telling you that, they're a liar and they ain't spiritual. Just to settle it. I'm just telling you that. They got, we need each other. And Paul needed those people. And then when he got to Rome, guess what it says? It says he spent two years in a rented house. He was a prisoner in a rented house, his own rented house. I suppose the, the, the brethren there were paying his rent for him and feeding him. I don't know that Rome would have done that for him. Maybe they did. I don't know. It doesn't tell us. But it says there was a, a guard there with him. And church history claims they had to get a bunch of guards because all of them were getting saved. <laughs> they get saved. We've got to replace them. <laughs> you know. But he preached. People came to his house. Now, we do know. I'm just giving you a little, little picture here. We do know at the end of his life, he wound up in a dungeon being beheaded. But why? It, it was ended. It was over. The favor was no longer needed. So what, we have to, what, I, want to, what I want to get to you... God gives favor with his destiny. So you can receive this favor that you don't have. And you can use that favor for yourself. Okay? But here's the key. If you just use it for yourself, you're going to lose it. Okay? If you just consume it on yourself. When God puts a favor for you because you have a destiny and you don't use that destiny, you don't pursue that destiny, you just eat that favor, then you're going to lose it. And, and I'm, so I want to say this. That's what's happening in the United States of America. God has given the United States, she's going to tell you about this in that seminar. I encourage you guys, in the United States, we were commissioned 
by a pastor in Jamestown that, that committed this country to the, to the gospel ministry, to the preaching of the gospel ministry worldwide. Our country was dedicated to that. And because it was dedicated, that was our, that's our nation's destiny. Okay, our nation's destiny is for the gospel to the nations. And he has favored us with prosperity. Right? And we are enjoying that prosperity, which is right in God's eyes. But the problem is, we have slowly but surely moved away. We've just enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it. And I'm telling you right now, there's missionaries from the United States of America that are suffering. They're suffering. I'm, talk, I'm not even mentioning the ones that, that, are not, that, that are hooked up with us that are suffering from their nations. But there's missionaries that are suffering on the mission field today. Because we have, oh, we're having a hard time. We need to, I'm not saying we did, y'all did this. I'm saying as, as a nation, as the body of Christ in America, that we've closed our hearts off in a lot of ways to support. And, and you, see, you see God saying your, your, your destiny is tied up with those people. Your prosperity is tied up. That's, why, that's what it's really for. It's not just for you to enjoy it, but enjoy it and love it and have a good time. But make sure you take care of these things because that's what I ordained this nation for. Okay? Okay, that's really important for us to get because I think that's one of the ways we can help heal our nation is to get our hearts back. Like, you know what? It may be tight. We may be going through some economic times, but we don't need to tighten down for the people that we're connected with, okay? The people that we know. And there's people sitting in this room right now that we know. There's two. There's, there's, you know, there's Jim Hill, who's, a, is a, who's going to be out there again full-time. Him and Caddy, Larry and Cheryl are here on furlough. Christina Casper. Right in this room, there's three people. Al's amusing. So you see... What we, we've got to get a heart. We, we've got to think about this stuff. This is destiny. God has given us destiny in this room. Okay? We have to take this serious. I'm not trying to be heavy here. But we need to take this real serious about our nation. Okay? Are y'all, are y'all cool with that? All right, let me finish on this one last thing that's really important, okay, about the favor thing. Is, are y'all okay? Yeah. Y'all got real serious looking at <laughs> This, this will help you, okay? Every, every person needs to deal with the orphan spirit. And the reason we all need to deal with the orphan spirit is this. is because the orphan spirit, I know this. I'm, I know it well because I live with that spirit almost, almost 50 years, okay? But what that thing tells you, it tells you you're not acceptable, Okay, it tells you you're not good enough. It tells you, you know, that God, you know, that you, it tells you lots of things. But what it does to you is you, you try to do things to be accepted. You try to do something to be accepted. You try to get something out of things that they can't give you that. Okay, so you spend your life drinking out of an empty, an empty cup. It's just an, I mean, a cup that's got a hole in it. You're, just, you're trying to get it filled and it's just pouring out. And so people do stuff. That was what was what was wrong with uh, in the parable of the prodigal son. The elder brother was ate up with it. Think about what happened to him. Think about this. He was mad at his day. See, I'm telling you, that is a sure sign somebody's ate up with uh, an orphan spirit. is anger. 
They're angry. They get angry with the Lord and they get angry with their brothers. And this is what he said to, the, to his daddy. You never gave me a party. Never! And this guy who's wasted all your stuff, you come and do all this. And the daddy was saying, listen, everything I got is yours. It's always been yours. You could have had all the parties you wanted. You see, but, the, but that spirit tells us something else. It just tells us something else. That's what was happening with that guy. It was telling him something else over and over and over. And he, he was wanting to get something that he desperately needed from his daddy. And his daddy was saying, I, I, everything I got is yours. Everything. See, that's being a son. That's, I'm not, that's a destiny as a son. That's not a destiny as a con. It's just as a son or a daughter, everything that he has, he's saying, it's yours. You have everything you have. I, it's all yours. I give it all to you. You can have it. But that spirit keeps you from being able to receive it. Okay? And messes you up in your life. And so I think that keeps a lot of people out of their destiny because they're still battling with that thing. And they have a hard time believing that God would say, my hand is on your life for something special besides just being one of my kids. Because this year, we're saying that parable, not that parable, but that miracle where Jesus fed 5,000 people, that's our miracle for this year. And, but you know one of the key things in that? We've already lived in that miracle, trust me. You know, the disciples are saying, get, hey, get rid of these people. We're tired. <laughs> we don't want to do nothing else. And Jesus, you know what Jesus said to them? You feed them. Yeah, you feed them. He really put it back in their, their lap. And they were like, well, how are we going to feed all these people? What do you have? We got five loaves and two fishes. Well, let me have it. You got to give that little bit you got. And when you do, the Lord will bless it and multiply it. You know what I'm saying? That's really what we expect from the Lord. Okay, that's why we're saying Larry felt like he got a word about HIV. If you know somebody's got it, bring them on. We, I prayed for Paul uh, Manning this morning. I said, I asked his brother, can I pray for him to get eyeballs? He said, yeah. Paul, can I pray for you to get eyeballs? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know how he is. Yeah, buddy, do it. Pray for him. You know, he's a man who needs eyes. We're, we're believing for God to bring miracles in people's lives. And why wouldn't we? I mean, here's a guy, well, I was watching him, he walked, and I thought, this guy's been walking in this church for a long time blind. I'm going to start praying that God will give him eyes. You know, I don't, you know, I'm saying, I told him, I said, Paul, you need to start seeing. I'm praying, I'm, you need to start seeing some stuff. I'm calling them eyeballs out of heaven for you. So, as we get rid of the orphan spirit, okay, get that thing broken off. The Father wants to reveal to you Himself. That's how, how the same word He begins to reveal to you that He's a Father. Once you see that He's a Father, you, you're like Philip. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. This is Matthew 14, no, John 14. Show us the Father and it's enough. In other words, once we realize who He is, it, all other questions in life get answered. Okay? Your destiny question will be answered. Thing, now, it doesn't mean the devil's not going to come bump on you because what happened to Jesus? He was baptized, the heavens were open, a dove came, and the Lord said, You're my beloved son. He went out in the desert. What's the first thing the devil says to him? Oh, well, if you're the son of God. He went after him. He started challenging him. We're going to be challenged on all this stuff. Are y'all following this? God wants to release you into your destiny. Okay, and, and if you happen to be a person this morning that's suffering by the revelation of the Father, that's, you have to get that settled. 
That has to be dealt with. That spirit has to be gotten off here. Everybody has the orphan spirit. Everybody's born into a world where the orphan spirit operates. Nobody gets out, is exempt from that. Okay? Every person, is that spirit works against you. But that spirit can be broken off in you. And the spirit of adoption can go to work, and you'll be more influenced by the spirit of adoption than you will an orphan spirit. That's sort of how I look at it. I'm getting more and more and more and more influenced by this adoption spirit that says, you're a son, you're a son, Byron. You're not a bastard. Excuse my English. You're my son. You belong to me. This is who you are. This is who I say you are. Your circumstances do not tell you who you are. I tell you who you are. And when, you be- when God begins to do that in your life, you change. And I'm going to tell you something. It will activate destiny in you. Did I make anybody mad by saying that B-A-S no. word? <laughs> Jake. <laughs> Are y'all okay? Now, here's what I want to do. Now, I want you to get real dirty honest this morning, okay, or this afternoon. It's overtime, but I want you to get real honest. If you're a person in this room and you have never in your life felt like you had a sense of destiny, I want you to stand up right now. If you've never felt like you've had that sense of destiny in your life, that's not been something that's been real in your life, will you please stand up? Okay? All right, Barbara, anybody else? Okay? Come on up here, Barbara. Well, here, you are too. Come on. Y'all come on. Ian. You see, this is important, guys. This is real important. Because this is, can, can really have a profound effect on you. Now, I want to ask you another question. If you feel like you're a person who, in the past, you have walked, you've had that sense of destiny, you've walked in it. But right now, you, don't, you're, you might be saying, I'm not walking in this sense of destiny. I'm not really even feeling I'm sort of disconnected from that sense of destiny. Something else has is influencing my life. Now, if you're that person, would you stand up? You see, I knew there was more. I wanted to say this. My generation is terrible. It's terrible about this. Because my generation, I grew up with people who had a real sense of destiny. And a lot of us lost it. But I can tell you what, boy, I've seen people get it restored and it was life-changing to them. So what we want to do is we want to ask you guys to come up. Now, we need a ministry team here. What we're going to do is, for these three right here in particular, I want us to deal with that orphan spirit on them and help them come in really, because I think that orphan spirit is hindering them. Okay? And for the rest of us, I just want us to get that, that sense of destiny released back in their life. Because I'm telling you this, if we begin to pray for this, God will release it. God will release that sense of destiny. And things suddenly will start changing in you. You're going to feel motivated. The spiritual things are going to become important to you. Your, your life is going to begin to have meaning that it has not had before. And that's what we're looking for. Everybody's looking for meaning in life. And God wants to define your life and give meaning to you. You know, and you're going to change. Things are going to change. I'm telling you, it's a passion that gets in you. So what we want to do right now is we need some more people to come out here. Y'all come out here. Larry, y'all come on up here. Okay. Sherelle wants to say something. I mean, Cheryl. Um, Larry and I, you know, are missionaries in Argentina, and we went there in our 50s. You know, we thought we had it all together, being pastors and all that, but we are into our destiny right now. We really feel that way. And we want to pray for you because the Lord has blessed our lives. You know, we've been Christians forever, it seems like, but to get into our destinies in Argentina, it's just different. And the Lord has given us favor and stuff. And I want to pray for people that they get into their destinies.
Yeah, see, that's a good testimony right there. Anybody else who feel like they're starting to come in or moving in their, their fulfillment state or destiny? Raise your hand. You? Come on up here. And you, come out here. I if you feel like you're moving in, I want you to come and pray, just like what Cheryl did, because that we want to release these people into destiny. I want people to hear that destiny's calling. Start praying and releasing destiny over these people. Okay? This is important. Father, I just pray right now you'd stir destiny. And everybody in this room, you stir up the fires. You stir up destiny, Lord, in all of our hearts, Lord. All of our hearts. Every person in this room needs destiny stirred in them, Lord. They would feel that sense of destiny. They would feel that thing that drives and motivates them in a positive way towards you, Lord. Towards the kingdom of heaven. Just release that, Lord. Just release the power of God. We're asking for the power of God in this room right now. Power of God, come now. Age doesn't matter. Circumstances doesn't matter. Situation doesn't matter. We're calling for power come now. So we're going to just pray for people. Lord bless you guys. Bless you guys.